welcome to Escaping Kerberos, the podcast where we rewatch, reminisce, and review everything Doctor Who from 2005 to present. My name is Rich, and I'm joined by someone who not even Atmos can reduce her toxic emissions to zero. It's Amy. Yeah, I've had that one in the <laughs> bank. Like I was waiting to make a fart joke, so uh, I, I'm proud of that one. Yeah, I think I'm quite pleased with that as well. Actually, I would I'm- happily have that on my tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. The day that I never want ever to happen, ever to come. Um, we're going to put the Atmos logo on Amy's on Amy's <laughs> gravestone to really confuse people. Imagine being that much of a Doctor Who fan of uh, like it's such a niche thing to have on your gravestone. You're walking through a cemetery and all of a sudden you just see Atmos on a gravestone and everyone's like, what? <laughs> well, this took a turn very quickly. Happy New Year to you all. Yeah, Happy hello. 2024. <laughs> we hope you had a, a lovely New Year, a lovely festive season, if that's what you celebrate. Hope you've had a good time. Hope you've all eaten a lot of food and, and you know, pooped it all out by now and, and getting back on to, uh, you know, good habits, I suppose. I've kind of forgotten about how much we ate over Christmas. Yeah, it, it didn't... Re- this is the first Christmas, I think, that I've actually, like, it, it, it hit me worse than I thought. In terms mm. of the food, we both were pretty bad after Christmas, honestly. We, yeah, we majorly, like, family-wise, both our families kind of, like, majorly overcated this year food-wise, so... And it was just, like, the the, the that grey area, the no-man's land between Christmas and New Year, it's just, yeah, it's just you know, not, not fun. I ate about three days worth of picnic food after christmas and boxing day and then we had our new year's eve party where we ate more food we had so much we had food left over from both christmases and then we ordered six gigantic pizzas on top of it don't get me wrong it was all baller but it was a lot of food yeah and i was i was having a a, i was having a an aneurysm trying to keep on top of cooking it all like mm-hmm. everyone else had arrived, everyone's drinking and had been happy. And I'm just in the kitchen, like stressing my tits off that I can't get everything. It's fine, yeah. Properly. I we was got- there to keep you calm. Everything was okay. You tried your best. I we- did. I Well, that's because you're just a stressy bugger. I yeah, tried. That's true. <laughs> uh, cooking, I love cooking. I mean, I know this isn't really, this is just literally emptying stuff onto a tray and shoving it in the oven. But if cooking goes wrong, I get like uncharacteristically angry. If I screw it's cooking fine. up, and I I'm don't the know same why. with cakes. If yeah. cakes go wrong, I ha- I literally I have to like step away for like four days before I'm able to come back to it. Yeah, it's exactly. Mad. Well, anyway. welcome, welcome everybody. Welcome back to Escaping Costumbers. Happy New Year to you all. 2024 kicks off, and it's only the 28th of January before we finally got around to getting a, getting the next episode in. You lot have been waiting since uh, when was it? When we, when did we upload the episode of uh, well <laughs> of uh, Planet of the Ood? My uh, before I open the the description to fully give me the specific date, it just says six months ago. Oh dear, uh, July seventh <laughs> was when we did planet of the Ood. that's ridiculous um no yes oh no <laughs> i mean we i think we we said this in our uh in our last episode which is obviously the big um you know the the big wedding wedding, and life, wedding and life update, episode yeah um and we said you know we we definitely did pencil in and, and schedule all through like christmas and stuff to get more episodes done and we just didn't but, you know, I can't it, believe we haven't recorded since July. Well, te- I mean, technically we recorded in November, I mean, but like okay. not an actual episode yeah. episode. Yeah. 
Yeah, oh I mean, God. we 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 explained all of this. If you've not listened to our two hour and twenty one minute episode of EK, <laughs> the last one where we talked about where we've been, our life update, and how our wedding was. If you watch it on YouTube, you can see all the pictures as well. Um, yeah, it, it was a tough end of the year, and it's like now we've actually hit January. It's starting to actually smooth out a bit. You know, we're actually mm. starting to we're starting to hit that stride that we'd 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 initially hoped to have hit after the wedding but we didn't yeah for reasons we uh i think we did discuss we did my, we did my, you know potential redundancy on that episode i'm I sure we like would we have did. done because we were recording it quite soon like, it was in the middle after. of all of it yeah, yeah i was gonna say so, i don't think we even knew whether you had a job at that point or no, not we didn't but... and luckily for me i do um he but, does you know if you are people who are keeping up with the, the games industry you are you are fellow gamers tips hat um you've seen that the industry is in a it's in a bit of a pickle at the moment and by that i mean mm-hmm. they're literally just let's lay everyone off for funsies to make a, you know short-term financial gain long-term kick in the dick really and to put it into perspective you know this this has been going on throughout the course of last year frontier got hit in october that they had to make that call um, and they they laid off uh, as overall so the industry laid off x number of thousands of people over the course of 2023 and now we've hit we're not even through january yet and we've almost reached half of that number in 28 days mm. in 2024 of layoffs uh pre- the, the biggest culprit is xbox laying off nearly 2000 employees from activision blizzard well, king yeah so yeah it's been a bit of a bit of a bit of a crap time in the games industry so you know i'm sitting you know, as a, as an employee of the games industry, just kind of watching all this happen around, like it literally has happened to me. I was lucky not to lose my Which job. Which is ridiculous because I was listening to the radio, I think it was just before Christmas or just after, and they said that actually gaming and music were the two biggest profitable industries yep. in 2023. The industry, so... I can't remember how, what the exact number was, but it's something in the tens of billions in terms of revenue yeah. last year. It's mad. So, you know, it's... There are there are some places that have been more justified in their in their reasonings. Not that just getting rid of people is ever a good is is ever no. a good reason. Um, but there are also companies that have just gone, oh, this is what the industry's doing. Guess we'll shave off a few salaries and and bin off loads of people. So you know, it's a it's a bit of a crap one. But um, but luckily, we're not here to talk. No, about for that. me for me personally, I'm 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 doing all right. But uh, yeah, it's it's still a wider conversation. It's still ongoing at some places, and yeah, it's a, it's it's a whole thing. And obviously, the benefit of my job is that the NHS will never fire me because otherwise, <laughs> you know, even less even I'm, even less will get done. <laughs> I mean, I say they won't fire me. Like, I'm not that sort of employee. I mean, make me redundant because the NHS don't do redundancies. They've got no staff anyway. <laughs> it's good fun. Well. It's it's all fun. <laughs> How about, let's talk about the Sontaran stratagem and the Poison Sky because it's been, yes. I guess, six months since we were supposed to actually uh, get this episode done. Um, whoops. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Sorry, if you pals. are if you are rejoining us after this uh, hiatus to actually get back to the back to who then welcome back so airing back uh on the 26th of april 2008 and then it would Ooh. have been what would have been that would have been the start of may wouldn't it uh first broadcast yeah. the 3rd of may 2008 happy hey, birthday amy you've just turned my birthday 13 13 13, 13 yeah 13 boys. Good grief. What an absolutely 
awful state that is. Like, how old are we? <laughs> we turn 30 next year, Amy. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Everything's boy. fine. It's been a while uh, since, you know, both this episode airing and us actually recording it. But yeah, the Sontarans are back in play for the first time in New Who, and that's obviously the big hook of this story we were waiting to see you know which returning enemy would be coming back and the Sontarans you know ahead of the Doctor, uh, the Daleks and the Cybermen would arg- arguably be ranked sort of third in terms of classic villains that would were bound to make a comeback in the new yeah. series I guess I mean I didn't know anything about them until I mean nor did I when I watched this this episode yeah i mean we were we, like we said we were 13 so or i'd literally just turned 13 and you turned 13 the next day yeah i did so uh yeah i don't think there would have really been much cause for us to have known anything about it. i mean my dad like i've mentioned before did watch a bit of classic who but it was never as did the, my parents yeah never the obsessive kind of watching so not, not like, like us. us yeah i was gonna say Oh dear. But yeah, so Santarans are back in play. But not only that, we also have Miss Martha Jones is back in play as well. And, you know, she kind of opens up the episode, or at least like she kind of leads us in uh, from the cold open into the titles um, after we see that freelance journalist get, uh, get drowned by mm-hmm. Atmos and the Santarans and, you know, the. the nice little death hook that they like to do as the opening sequence of an episode. We bring, we bring the Doctor and Donna back to Earth via Martha Jones, who's now taken up a job at units, and it opens up the whole conversation of, you know, is this what you do? Is this, you make them soldiers? I like how the Doctor just brushed that off. Yeah, it's kind of like a... It's like, not He not could have everybody... just been like, not, not really, actually. Yeah. She just kind of had that mentality anyway. There is, I mean, when you think about it, there is already a, a parallel being drawn to what's said in the end of the series when it comes to... Uh, the stolen earth and journey's end because Davros basically says the exact same thing to the yeah. doctor when you've got everybody with their explosive devices ready to nuke the Dalek crucible and the same thing plays up again so it, it does kind of preempt what comes at the end of the series but mm. it, it's like Martha as a character it makes a lot of sense that she went in that direction and it also reintroduces Eunice as well which I think I can't remember whether you, whether you get, we get sniffs of them I think throughout the course of the uh, first three series, because obviously we've, it's been so long since we've been recording this. And also I haven't been watching any Doctor Who apart from the new series in the interim. I don't want to, I want to come back yeah. to it when we come to episodes of, of EK. So I've not been back, but I f- this is the first time unit really do get a big center stage thing going yeah, on. Yeah. I don't, think i remember anything sort of properly featuring them before this point that we've watched so far yeah so they're now fully in play but let's just let's let's focus on martha for a sec because one thing that i did really like about this episode in is that while obviously again it's 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 kind of that precursor to the stolen earth and journey's end like bringing martha back because obviously a lot of people come back in uh, mm-hmm. in that two part finale but it 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 further kind of contextualizes the world that we're re- that the world that the universe is currently in in this in the first russell t davies era you know this goes to show this is the first time we've seen a companion after 
their time with the doctor you could argue Mm -hmm. donna kind of as well because obviously we had her in one episode but that that runaway bride donna is a very very different donna to the one we have now so i don't really think you can make that comparison but martha on the other hand yeah it's it's a bit of a not a heel turn that's not the right phrase but you know she her, her characterization has changed a bit because she's now a fully fledged doctor she's working with unit she's exactly where she needs to be uh, where she kind of should be i guess it mm. makes a lot of sense it's why she's gone through the ranks so quickly and the fact that you know if you if you've even had a sniff of the doctor that's it you're like you know you're getting unit, unit is unit like promotion. come to us <laughs> i mean it's literally the same thing right now you know we're having the parallels drawn to to um the giggle like we've mm. already got yeah, yeah unit, just unit are back in play donna's probably landed herself a job i'd love to see that donna gets that job um obviously uh rose noble is a unit because mm-hmm. we see her in the trailer for series for series 14 i'm not calling it season one i'm not series being like one, a, i'm not no. being an ass about it but it's just for the sake of understanding it's season 14 shooty's first series uh-huh. um uh-huh. i get why they want to reboot it but <laughs> contextually there's it's no not really a point. reboot though is it because realistically like it's, not it's like just another a era break like they did in the 80s it's just a different it's just a note again well i say new showrunner it's a previous showrunner but like it's a new series of a, of a yeah. showrunner so but like at least that was one thing that chippers didn't do like, he didn't start calling it Series 1. I would think that would have been, like, the straw that, that broke really the camel's That would have been really pretentious, back. yeah. Absolutely. But, yeah, I, I really do enjoy how we get that look at a companion post-Doctor, because the only time we've had that so far has been seeing um, Sarah Jane Smith in School yeah. Reunion, and that was two series ago by this point, because School Reunion was very, was, was very early that, on. She? Yeah, yeah, that was, that was David Tennant's first series. So speaking get, of Rose, <laughs> we'll get we'll get to, we'll get to Rose. We'll get to Rose because that's that's in that's in the Poison Sky. So mm-hmm. we will focus on that when we get to it. I mean, obviously this is a two parter so over. You've watched both parts, but um, we have Martha, you know, with units sniffing out Atmos. That's a bit uh, a bit sus. You know, there's always that element of this is all this is all too you know philanthropic. You know, there's 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 must be something iffy about the fact that they can just reduce carbon to zero. This is a bit sus, surely. Yeah. Um, and we get yeah we get unit back in play, and I know that we've had some questions. I've had to dig out like, I've got so many tabs open of just all the places where questions have come through, um, because this obviously has been so long since we did it. I'm trying to find yeah, like yeah. all of these questions because there was somebody there was somebody specifically was it on the Spotify thing there is one of them okay yeah so Atticus Burroughs while we're just on Martha asks do you think Martha's character has grown or done a u-turn after the last of the time lords uh good question because I can't remember what the last of the time lords is the last of the time lords was the uh the master and like the year the, the year that never was Martha traveling the oh, earth and getting lot, the right, gun okay. in four parts to kill the master and all that I'm rubbish. very bad at linking episode <laughs> titles to the content therein I'm fine at remembering the episodes themselves uh um do you know what I don't I don't think she has I think that year for Martha was very, very enlightening, was very kind of, you know, if this is the life I lead, then I might as well lead it. Um, 
rather than let it lead me. And I think it's like the whole thing with her family was, I guess, maybe the reason why she wanted to work for UNIT because she wanted to be able to kind of avoid those sorts of things happening in future or prevent it or... I don't feel like it's a U-turn as such because during that year she was also kind of a soldier. She was just a very different kind um, and she obviously just didn't work for UNIT. But I wouldn't say that this feels like, to me anyway, it just kind of feels like her character continued along the vein that it was already growing to. doesn't really seem like she's changed all that much in a way because if it was a u-turn i feel like a u-turn is kind of going back on yourself isn't it it's kind of reverting and being very like whereas when we first met martha she was so she was kind of just like a bit of a drool weren't she like I mean, she was she good was... at being a doctor yeah and she was very sort of quick to jump in and help people which has always been her personality type um but the focus of Martha's character to begin with was very smitten, very like, I'm in love with you immediately. And we all know how much I enjoyed that. Um, and so I feel like the fact that there was like, there's been obviously first thing Donna says is like, you can't have like, you know, you must have got over him considering you're engaged and all that sort of stuff. Um, and there's jokes made about it throughout the episode about her really being over him. If she's calling him dad and, I feel like that's kind of like a testament to the progression that Martha's character has gone through. Um, Call yeah. her dad. Yeah, you know when she goes, I feel like I'm with a child wearing my dad's clothes and Donna says, oh, well, you see, you're definitely getting over him if you're calling him dad. <laughs> Hello, No, daddy. she doesn't call him daddy. Good to see like, you. Let's not go that far. <laughs> but... Yeah, my, that's my opinion anyway. No, I think you're bang on. I think a U-turn would have been that she would have just gone completely down a different direction. Like, imagine she... I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think about how she could, like, milk it in a different direction. You know, she tried to become famous by making up, saying, I got, I was abducted, I was doing this, and all this sort of stuff. You know, not so much like doing it as a... Um, say we had, uh, if, we, if you remember the... Um, uh, the daughter of, uh, I think this is, I think this is at the end of time, you know, when at the end of David's regeneration, when he's like going around and saying hello and goodbye to all of his previous companions and people. And there's the daughter of the woman that he fell in love with as John Smith. And she's writing books about like her grandmother's stories. Yeah. And like like yeah. almost like the opposite to that. So rather than Martha taking this idea that all this stuff that happened during last of the time Lords and like, novelizing it and like making a living off these of telling these stories of hope and and, and you know triumphing against uh you know an antagonist like an antagonist as powerful an as the master and so on yeah, yeah. instead she's like going on i don't know daytime tv and trying to peddle some rubbish and she's trying to become like famous like making a quick buck or something like that like that's what i would consider to be a u-turn or she's just decided to go you know i don't want to be a doctor anymore screw this i'm going to become i don't know something mm. less desirable or you know something more frowned upon i suppose so i would say that you you do get this progression to martha obviously as we've already said moving into units and doing that makes a hell of a lot of sense for her um it does but at the same time i don't feel we get because he, because she gets you know cloned and she's stuck in a rack and whatever then we don't really get to see much of her so i'd argue that we didn't yeah we don't really know how much she's moved on as a character 
so much because we don't I have feel like that a lot is... of time with her. The, the time we spend with her, apart from her commenting on, you know, oh yeah, Donna's good. Oh yeah, he's so skinny. Otherwise, she's doing a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And But then I think also that's really the point of Martha's character, isn't it? It's like she's kind of evolved into... I guess the sort of person that like lives for her job because a job like that you would you it would overtake you it would be much more of a all-encompassing scenario it's not like you kind of go into the office nine till five and come home at the end of the day it is literally like all hands on deck at all times sort of thing so but I understand what you mean I think the real kind of testament to Martha's character comes in the next episode because we obviously get to see her in that as well, which obviously we won't go into too much detail about now, but I do feel like that is really the time where we get to see her sort of evolution in mm-hmm. terms of how she's adapted as a character. Like, I don't know how much you remember of the Doctor's daughter, but I know that there is a the arc that Donna, that Martha, sorry, goes down during that episode really gives the audience this time with her mm. so that's mm-hmm. gonna be remember, yeah. that's gonna be really good to uh to explore next time so really that kind mm-hmm. of the question of how martha has evolved really comes next time with the doctor's daughter so we'll cover that when we get to it so yeah, units yeah. is another um obviously a big part of this as we've already said you know the un- units are finally back in play units obviously back in play in the modern era in the, in the as a modern era where we are now units are very well, much is- back in play they have been since um, the Power of Three. That was when we first met um, Kate Stewart with the mm-hmm. cubes, the cube invasion. Uh, that was what, what year was that? Series that was series seven. Seven. So what? Two thousand and. Oh, twenty thirteen. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, it was twenty thirteen because it was the year of Day of the Doctor. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, you know that was the first time we saw Unit. But otherwise, they've been. We didn't see them as much during Matt Smith's era. They went a bit quiet apart mm. from like now and then i think they do crop up again in an end of time maybe mm. but then i feel like that. that's probably purposefully done because if unit got involved in every single thing then it it's would get a bit like, tiresome yeah yeah but it's nice to see them back all the same because obviously it's it's an iconic part of doctor who and uh, the possible astronaut asks what's your opinion on the portrayal of unit in the modern show the modern Which, show is in as in yeah as like in i mean comparatively to how the they were in, in, in the classic and i think just generally i think people will still oh. people will still consider modern who to be modern who it's still new who i new think who, there right, will be I'm people who have been directed to say you know you need to consider the shooty era another era but i think why? oh no sorry i just wasn't sure whether when they said modern whether they meant like the most recent iteration of you i would just say the modern era just means new generally. who as a whole right I mean, I've only uh, seen a handful of episodes with Unit in the classic era. Yeah, um, I can't comment on this. <laughs> but I know that I think they wanted to take like sniffs of Torchwood and, and sort of intertwine it with Units because he, because obviously the Doctor's not been with Unit for a, a good while. Uh, and I think the Doctor, I think the Doctor had all these concerns, understandably, because obviously he wasn't too keen on Torchwood, uh, even when Jack was running it, as we saw in in the last of the time lords in that three-part finale that when jack was part of torture he was a bit like oh hmm a bit dismissive of mm-hmm. you now jack but you know obviously unit were taking going down particular routes that the doctor didn't didn't agree with um so 
unit being treated as a, a potentially more of a foil and the doctor pulling his weight like when the the commander says you know you you don't have authority to speak on earth's behalf and the doctor's like yeah i do i'm the doctor Mate, I, learned, I learned that a long time ago yeah exactly <laughs> like they they almost are a bit of a an asset and a foil to the doctor at least mm. in this episode i need to say, i can't quite remember exactly how often they do crop up until we get you know the kate stewart era um yeah. but we love kate stewart we do we stand um mm-hmm. but they are that you know like I said, a foil to the Doctor in this two-parter. Yeah. They, they do find it's themselves a a... being a, an asset and also a pain in the ass at the same time. I kind of don't even know if they are really an asset, though. I mean, like, if you kind of think about their actual involvement, the only thing that they do right is invade the Atmos factory to find yeah. the actual, like, cloning station and teleportation and whatever. But, I mean... Like, otherwise, the the only real person who does anything worthwhile is Ross <laughs> out poor of unit. Ross. Like, I mean, yeah, poor Ross, bless him, what a cutie. Um, he's also a good-looking lad as well. I wonder what he looks <laughs> like now. I'd be interested to know. Um, but, yeah, he's just... I don't know, like, it kind of feels like the whole purpose of unit is just to put up this, like, battalion front... To be a bit like, this is war and this is how war goes. Like, they are an army, for lack of a better word. But I don't feel like in the latest versions of UNIT, and by latest I mean, like, really recent, like the ones we got in the Tenant Regeneration 14 story, um, they feel less like an army and more like an intelligent task force, which is what they are. Um, whereas in this, they definitely take on that kind of like army, like you said, brigadier. Obviously I know he's not in it, but like it is very much that old school army feel, um, which I feel like is just quite representative of 2008 Doctor Who. Like they had that kind of feel with unit style. Um, they but, kind of brought the grit. Yeah, like, yeah. And I feel like the only purpose of them in this episode was just to kind of, I guess, be like a rebuttal to the fact that you can't beat the Sontarans with war strategy because they will just outright defeat you. And like I said, they're, they're like a foil to, to yeah. the Doctor's approach. But they, as you say, they do have their own um, benefits in that, they are the brute force that can actually push back against the Sontarans as and when it was actually... Mm-hmm. Whether you could argue it was right to do so, you don't quite know. But the Doctor did need to get back inside and get back to the, the basement where Martha was. Well, I was, guess so. it was kind of right to do so because realistically it's defensive, isn't it? Like, well, they're exactly. being attacked. Like, the, the Doctor could have done a cheeky little sneak in, but then we'd have had a sneak in parallel to Donna sneaking around the Sontaran ship again. It's like, mm. if you're going to have all these guns and all these people, all these extras, you're like, you might as well use them. Yeah, and like, it's supposed go, to be a nuts. comment on warfare. So I feel like the purpose of sending the back, the, uh, the soldiers into battle soldiers can't talk (laughs) the soldiers into battle was to kind of like continue this dialect on the Santarans being like the masters of war you know yeah and it's it's obviously you can you can read the undertones of you know this is the 
the default human approach is attack back and then it's like mm-hmm. even if the doctor has pointed out and it's been made abundantly clear by you know already the people who have been lasered and, and stuff by the Santarans that you do not have a chance to win mm-hmm. so stop trying you moron um mm-hmm. while we're just on unit and on ross as well um i just had a quick look i mean yes he still looks good uh christian cook yes christian, christian cook. cook christian okay. cook and fun fun fact mel b is his cousin because yeah that's the that's the main <laughs> that's the big thing on his on his uh, wikipedia page what? mel b is his cousin <laughs> what? fun <Okay>. fact <laughs> sure um we have that wonderful moment after they've been to the Ratigan Academy and they are trying to escape. The Doctor does the, the cheeky, you know, um, reverse psychology on the Atmos system to stop. Sorry, Atmos, not Atmos system. Ugh, it's just it's ingrained. It's calling it's it the Atmos, Atmos system. Atmos. It's just Atmos. Um, Do you know what? He looks exactly the same. Yeah. I've just googled him. While I, while I ramble, Amy's going to Google pictures of Christian Cook to simp over. Um, I mean, I don't feel like he's my type now, really. <laughs> well, no, because I'm your type. Well, you sadly poor, you are. You poor but... soul. Um, <laughs> I like we... nerdy weirdos. Balding men, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, apparently. When we have them escaping Ratskin Academy and the reverse psychology on Atmos and they dive out of the car after they, they manages to stop it from driving into the water apparently that sequence was supposed to end with the the whole jeep going kablooey but there was a logistical reason as to why they couldn't um i can't quite finances budget it could have been it could have been they didn't have a they didn't have an army style jeep that they could afford to blow up or they didn't have like where they were shooting where they weren't allowed to do it or or something or other but it's so instead they did that little pitiful like you know queef of an explosion out of the satellite tiny explosion Um, so obviously they're then played for comedic effects, which works really, really well because no, yeah, normally you'd be expecting this over dramatic. You know, you've had all the army coming in, lots of guns in play, lots of lasers and stuff, and then you just have this pitiful little explosion. Like I think that's I like great it. fun. So because that they're just rolling back a little bit, let's talk about old ratty, old Luke oh, Rattigan. Oh, good old ratty. Uh, Who Ryan looks like Samson. a rat? Is he American? No, he's not American. He's English. Okay. So oh, that was quite a good American. It's, it's a good American. It, it was. It fooled me. I didn't yeah. know whether he would have actually been an American uh, actor, but no. Ratigan. What does he look like now? <laughs> I, I would probably say exactly the same. What's his name? Uh, Ryan Sampson. Um, Ryan Sampson. Is he George Sampson's brother? No. Oh my God, he's literally like exactly the same. Like not a shred of change. Yep. I mean, you can Army. you can kind of you can see it with some people. You see that they don't really change how they. I mean, Amy's literally exhibit A of this. Amy I am exactly an example the of same. this. Um, yeah, Ratigan is quite. I, I again, it's it's another foil to the Doctor that I I love about this two parter is that we have another very very clever character and when you compare it to something like somebody like Doctor Yana, and obviously it was the Master really, but like when you when you consider Doctor Yana as a very very smart character that and you like experiencing like meeting the doctor and, and getting to you know nerd out with him there's such a such a contrast with luke ratigan because obviously he's oh, yeah. very very cold to the doctor now when we were watching this afternoon i'd forgotten that there was the scene when he, uh, ratigan says doctor and the sontara in general style goes he has that look on his face like he's been you know bitch slapped with a frozen poo mm-hmm. um 
because he, that's that's I don't know why that was my analogy, but whatever. Um, Space talking. You, uh, you probably would be. <laughs> Anyway, Amy carry Hudson. on. Amy Hudson, this is a f- Christian Minecraft server and family show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, if you don't know what space talking means, do not Google don't it. Don't Google it, please. <laughs> Google pictures of Christian Cook and uh, Ryan Sampson instead. Um, uh, you're throwing me right off now. God so damn it. So you were talking about Luke announcing he was called the Doctor and yeah, 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 what's yeah. it being, when he was being When he was being really, really cold to the Doctor turning up at his academy, I initially thought it's because... My, my, I immediately thought, oh, you know, he's he's obviously he said that uh, General Watts had uh, had radioed ahead to say that he was on the way, uh, and I figured that he would go to the Sontarans as a good little boy and say, oh, I've got I've got a visitor coming. Should I be worried? He's called the Doctor, and they've gone, oh, the Doctor, ah, and that's why he was being difficult. Then you kind of, when when I remembered that wasn't the case, and especially when for viewers they've seen that. Uh, the the, the Sontarans weren't aware the Doctor was about until Raskin mentioned it. Um, He's just being cold and arsy because he's got, there's another genius. Either, for two reasons, because he might work out what he's doing or he just doesn't like people who might upstage him. I mean, and, uh, and, and that's totally it. No, no, no. That is good. It's definitely the second one because realistically he is a complete and utter selfish stuck up conceited knob i mean you just got to look at the way that he kind of like handles his academy and speaks to everybody and it is that immediacy of he feels threatened because there's somebody else in the room with the same level of intelligence if not more intelligence than him and he does not like that like yes he was nurturing all these clever people to be like to come with him to this new planet but you see in that moment even after they abandon him the only thing that he has to hold on to is by shouting at them see it just proves it i'm cleverer than you yeah and it's like that's literally his whole ethos is i'm the clever one nobody else is as clever as me and i think when the doctor walks in and goes oh my god i've seen all this stuff before i know what you're doing this is all like it's almost like he's feeling like the doctor is going around going oh you've got that stuff and that stuff and that stuff and that stuff and it makes him feel quite primitive when actually he is well arguably one of the cleverest people on the planet it's it pales in comparison to the doctor just purely because of the level of like experience that the doctor has and intelligence that is kind of unmatched because just the worlds he's seen um but yeah no it's it's i don't even think it's that he's worked out what he's doing i think he purely is just like how the hell can there be somebody cleverer or as clever as me i don't like this i mean it's like when when it's when he reveals that it's the doctor and the sometimes are like oh we have an enemy of the doctor blah 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 blah. i almost wonder whether he took a bit of solace in the fact that it's like oh he was an alien that doesn't count then because i'm still the Mm -hmm. i'm still the smartest human like he still has this um you know, cold demeanor towards the doctor generally and towards humanity anyway. But superiority complex. Yeah, superiority complex. But it's like the doctor read him like a book. Like the moment he's, mm. you know, it's not the first time the doctor's seen technology and he's gone, oh my God, it's, it's this and it's this and this is brilliant. That's amazing. Like I said, you know, compare it directly to Dr. Yana and how excited the doctor was and how excited, sorry, the doctor and Yana were to meet each other and get to nerd out over things before, obviously, the master. Um, mm-hmm. 
and I completely lost where I was going with that point and I'm really annoyed now. You were saying about when um, he was holding this air of knowledge and yeah, he was sorry. like, oh, it doesn't count if you're alien and all that. Yeah, yeah. And how, because the the fact that, that Ratigan just kind of stood there and had that, you know, he, again, he, he had also been slapped by the same frozen poo. You know, he was, the, the Doctor read him straight away then. And obviously as... Um, when the doctor said Atmos system and he goes off on one and he had the, uh, you know, refers to Ross as a, uh, as a grunt. And, you know, he, the, the moment he said, you know, no one has ever said no to you, have they? And while we probably don't know people who are that clever, we've all mm. known people who are like that, you know, mm-hmm. they can't, can't be wrong. can't be told no. Can't be told no. They're never wrong. They have this superiority complex, regardless of where it's come from, whether it's like a, you know, if he's that clever, then yeah. You know, not to say you're allowed to be an asshole, but, you know, there is arguably a justification as to why you're a douche. Mm. But we've all known people who are like that. So there is and this kind of... And those people aren't even necessarily clever. Well, m- most of the time, they're not. <laughs> or at least they yeah. think they are. Um, you know, we, we can very much... Re- we can relate to how you know, the doctor feels in that situation, how Ross feels in that situation. Hell, even how the rest of the students feel in that situation. Like, Mm. regardless of whether you're there to learn, if you think your superior is an asshole, then, you know, you're not going to respect them and you'll kind of take any any kind of, like, bump in the road and you go, yeah, you know what? I'm good. I'm out. I mean, we've all all worked for people, haven't we? We've had bosses that suck. I'm sure everybody has. Yeah, we've all... Who had superiority complexes beyond, you know, being, you know, a decent human being. We all know what that's Mm -hmm. like. And it's... While we do get Ratigan at the end of the... End of the two-parter, obviously taking the Doctor's place in nuking the... uh, Nuking the Sontaran ship, we don't feel any sympathy for him. Yeah, it's it's a nice... Everything wraps... Everything's wrapped up in a nice little bow. Not only do we get to keep the Doctor, as we know and love him, Ratigan... He does do something noble, all things considered, but he does also get himself blown to smithereens. It's kind of like, he's almost like this um, parallel to uh, Adam in series one after Dalek. Like rather mm. than, rather than you know, getting shot by a, a, a Dalek because we, you know, we don't like him. He left Rose behind and he's just a bit of a douche. Uh, mm-hmm. Instead, we take him on a take him on a journey, and he acts even more of a douche this time. Yeah. You know, Russell doesn't kind of put us down. I mean, I know it wasn't Russell today, it was that wrote it. Helen Rayner wrote it. Um, we don't get to go down that route with Ratigan. We get to see him blow himself to smithereens, but mm-hmm. you know, still do something something clever with his life in the process. But do you know what? Also, though, is like, so I was actually thinking when we were watching um, the second. I think it's in the second episode when he. When everybody abandons him and he goes up to the ship and he's like, I failed, like the students have all left, they're not coming. And um, I can't remember which one of the Sontarans it is. It was Stahl, yeah, the the leader. Goes, oh, we've lost our target practice. And they do that whole kind of like sequence with Luke where he's like, you promised this, that and the other kind of thing. And then he goes back into the teleport to save himself being killed anyway. And... He kind of lays on the floor and cries, doesn't he? He has that yeah. moment of humanity. And in my head at that exact moment, I was thinking, not Doctor Who trying to make us feel sorry for a complete and utter tiz was. Like, I just couldn't see. I get it. 
like I get the idea to give him an ounce of humanity so that his sacrifice at the end proves he was a good person, really. It's like, yeah, but was he though? Because I'm not being funny, but like there's a difference between a, is it a martyr? Is that, are they yes. the, are they the people that would sacrifice themselves for the greater good or whatever? They, yeah, like, whether he would want to be seen as a martyr because he saved yeah. everybody. Yeah. Like, there's a difference between a martyr and a decent human being. I mean, like, I personally would consider myself a decent human being, um, but I also would not be the first person to take an explosive device off somebody and blow myself to smithereens for the good of the earth because I'm a coward. I like living. I don't really want to die, and if somebody else can do it, sure, let them go ahead. But that doesn't mean I'm not a bad person. It also doesn't mean that because he did that, that he is a good person. Like, there's no kind of moment where you see him changing because of the fact that he wants to save people, he purely changes because he has been bested and because he has been tricked. And so then he's there thinking, I'm not actually as smart as I thought I was because I've been hoodwinked into believing that this is all going to be X, Y, Z. And then he probably goes, I don't really have family, don't really have friends. What kind of life am I living? Yes, I might be intelligent, but clearly there's nothing for me here. Because he says it throughout the episode, like, Earth's not big enough for me anyway. And he was willing to let the Earth be completely killed off for the sake of him and, what, like, 20 other people. And so he's not a good person, giving him that moment of retribution, of crying on the floor of the teleportation thing, was just a bit like, why are you crying? Like... You have no emotional connection to this whatsoever. You're only crying because you're angry that somebody like got the better of you. So I kind of don't really care that he gets blown up at the end because I kind of think, well, bully for you. You saved the world. Whoopee. There you go. Here's your hero's medal. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, if, if he wanted to be played off like a martyr, there would have been like maybe when Donna says, you know, what are you doing? And he goes, something clever. They added that line of, make sure they make sure people know what i did like then mm. that would be him framing himself as a martyr but because obviously his he explained his whole plan he was like hey ladies in my academy we're gonna get boinking i've got it all planned out i had in my head i don't know whether this is something from a different tv show or a film or something like that i thought there was a line where he actually like points out who he's been like as he said oh you know i've got a whole breeding program like I, i've made people's matches the people who are listening, if you if you know what I mean, I swear that there's something in a similar vein to that, um, where the per- where the, the main sort of person in that in that scene has said, you know, oh, you know, me and you, we were gonna be, you know, we were gonna be the people who were gonna breed for this, um, mm. and that person retorted like, I ain't shagging you, buddy. I had in my head that that happened in this episode, but obviously it doesn't. All oh, right, no. but I know that I swear that's happened in something in some form of media that i've watched be it a tv I mean, show quite or a film possibly where there has been a line like that but it's like yeah we were supposed to be the ones you know doing the dirty and repopulating mm-hmm. humanity or something like that if people if somebody who's listening knows what that is please comment it because i'm, I'm, I'm sure there'll my be brain something to think of what it is it'll be in some sort of like post-apocalypse show or yeah. you know something like that well, actually, all of this conversation actually, you know, works quite well for uh, Mitch- Mitchell McCall's uh, message, uh, question. Apologies if I've pronounced your name very terribly on Twitter, um, where they ask, you know, do you think Ratigan earned his redemption through sacrifice? 
Um, nope. And yeah, no, <laughs> he did. He did the right Sorry. thing. But, you know, he had all of these people who he fully explained his plan. All these people who were like, well, if he tries to do anything else now, we'll just tell him and say, yeah, we were his students. And, you know, we all saw what happened with the Atmos stuff. And now it's all very sus. You know, that was I mean, obviously, it would be Ratskin anyway, regardless of them turning around and saying, you know, it was him because it all came from his academy and his work anyway. Mm-hmm. Um he, he knew that he had no life. He couldn't do anymore. He wouldn't get any funding, any attention, any time of day from anybody anywhere ever again. So to put a pretty dark spin on it, you know, if he hadn't have gone and blown himself up, what what else would a, would a, would a genius who had nothing he could do have done? Not yeah, to dig into the psyche like of very Musk, intelligent people, but it's like, <laughs> yeah, but he keeps getting work. So, you know... Yeah, but the problem is, isn't because he's... No, we're not going into that. I meant Rattigan. The problem is because Rattigan is one of these people that is like, there is nothing that can hold me, nothing that can give me that justification, nothing that like makes me feel better than knowing that I will be the leader of a new world of intelligent people. There's no way in hell that that compares to any other scenario. Like, you just don't know that that would ever be a thing that anybody would do because i've never heard like elon musk talking about repopulating a new planet with his intelligence i mean it probably well, would be something ridiculous no, he, he, he genuinely has been talking about going to mars what a f- go go stay I mean, there yeah, yeah, die please, please don't go care. please go to mars <laughs> but, and don't come back um but anyway <laughs> we do you know we haven't actually well i say haven't we haven't at all really 45 minutes in um, we haven't talked about the Sontarans. I haven't talked about the Sontarans. Haven't talked about their 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 plot and the actual Mister um, Potato the, Head. The threat when it comes to uh, their their you know presence in this two parter, and there are a bunch of people that have asked the question of you know what do you think about the how the Sontarans have been done as a returning. Um, enemy. I mean, like I said, loads of people have asked this question, so I'm not going to go through and mention everybody that has. But loads of people have been saying, you know, when you compare them to like Davros the Daleks, Cybermen, where do, where do they stack up? How well have they been redone? Um, and to be honest, for me immediately, and this kind of does answer a question that's that somebody has asked specifically, they have been done quite well. The whole like approach to war didn't falter. We didn't see a little slip up in that regard when they're talking about war and battle and so on, that they stuck to their guns pretty damn well. I mean, you kind of have to. It's their whole character. That's the point. I was going to say, they are a war race. They are literally clones that exist to fight. Yeah, exactly. But then the the fact that they've been framed in this different way because of the the actual, um, you know, plot that they have to, to, you know, to convert the Earth into a breeding planet... Um, it's a clever little spin. It's like an unexpected thing. And I think while that kind of um, approach to that story, that narrative with the Sontarans in play, because obviously we see them in the future. Um, I mean, the next time really, apart from Strax, they were in Doctor Who, was in War of the Sontarans, which mm. I would put down as one of the best episodes of Chibnall's era. Yeah, um, but that was because Chibnall didn't write it. <laughs> well, yeah. Did he? I should- I don't remember actually whether he I don't did or think not. he wrote. I that feel one. like he <laughs> did because I know that he was a big fan of. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like any good episode. Yeah, of he did write it. He didn't. 
Oh, he wow. did write okay. it. Yeah, that's quite. Shocking. I know that he's a big fan <laughs> of bringing back old creature, old enemies. Um, and that's and, where he really shone, I think. Well, exactly. Yeah, the, he did. Yeah. He did well with. He did arguably. He did well with the angels. Mm. He did. He did well what, with the no, Cybermen. Angels. Angels was definitely not written by Chibnall. I'm sure uh, that that angels was kind of. It was kind, was of, it was kind of like else. he was like. I think he was like a co-writer on all of the episodes of right. Flux. But even then, like, still, it was his era. You know, we'll yeah, still attribute yeah. it to him. He did very well with the Cybermen. And I liked yeah. I liked what he did with the Daleks to a certain point. Um, so this and you know people have also asked the question you know, what you know the the the, the Sontaran design which do you prefer because we've only had two designs we've got the original ones ah. and we've got the new Who ones. I don't actually know what the original ones look like. The War of the Sontarans Sontarans in the ship in flux they are the original ones. Oh oh okay let me have a quick. Uh... And I would. But I know somebody somebody asked that question. I have to try and dig it out now, so I can give you a give you a wee little shout out. Uh, Sontarans classic. Who? Yeah, they Let's look, look pretty much exactly the same as they do in War of oh, the Sontarans. Oh, I mean, they do. The thing is, they look pretty much exactly the same as they do now. Anyway, it's just obviously that costume developments and stuff, and like budgetary developments, have allowed for slightly more bulkier costumes, like. But other than that, they look pretty much the same as they do. Oh yeah, in they wouldn't have gone too far removed. I mean, it was Stoic Gem five 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 on Spotify asked that question. You know, which Sonic Taran design right. do you prefer? This the the blue from this two part or the grey design from Flux, or a black design from Classic Who? But like arguably the the design that we used in in War of the Sontarans is basically the original one. And I, I I like the original one. It's still That's what the Flux one looks like. It's kind of a bit yeah. more armorified and it's kind of got like a There is this kind of like and... there's like a medieval vibe to it. And yeah, I think if I remember rightly, one of the old Sontaran episodes is like set in the medieval times. Mm. Um correct me if I'm there wrong here bit, in the comments, yeah. but I think I think there is one because I think the, the Sontaran like crash lands at a castle or something. But we see mm. the son, the new Sontarans in Sarah Jane Adventures as well. Um and obviously we see Strax um on a, multiple, multiple times, which we will talk about the uh Yeah, um, yeah. The past I think, Gang in a moment because there is a question about it. Yeah, yeah. I think with the Sontarans, they're very much like a kind of statement piece i mean i know obviously we could say the same about the daleks but the thing with the daleks is there's been so many factions of daleks that you can arguably redesign them kind of as many times as you'd like as long as the base shell idea is there as we've seen with like the power ranger daleks as we like to call them you know and versus like the time war daleks i mean the time war daleks are my favorite design ever like they're just gorgeous um and like the Power Ranger Daleks were just so big and bulky and just like unnecessarily plastic. Hence why they um, got dropped. Yeah. Because <laughs> the reaction but, uh, was so bad to them. I don't feel like the Sontarans have obviously had that. I mean, obviously the Daleks have been in far more Doctor Who than any other enemy ever. Um, but the Sontarans are very much that kind of thing because they're a clone race and because they're, you know, their whole purpose is to just be this perfect war machine if they have perfected that as is explained so many times in this episode like you know they have no weaknesses except the tiny punch hole on the back of their neck um then why would they change their design so i think for me 
both the designs from like the Flux episodes and this episode are kind of just as good as one another. I feel like if you put this exact design of the Santarans in the Flux, you wouldn't be like, oh, that looks like it's from the early noughties or late noughties. Like you just wouldn't really think about it like that because it kind of holds and stands up in the modern era as well. Yeah. I think it's also down to the fact that we're still only four years into Doctor Who, into the reboot at this Mm -hmm. point. So the idea of playing upon overt nostalgia hasn't really stuck. You know, obviously we did get that a lot with obviously like the Chibnall era did lean a bit more onto playing with more nostalgia because obviously we had more of the more older uh, TARDIS interiors. Obviously the, the Fugitive Doctor's TARDIS interior is like a more modern spin on the original interior, arguably yeah. the new TARDIS the interior new one is. Is, a, is a spin on the original one. I love Shooty's um, TARDIS. Yeah, I know. So nice. Um, <laughs> and you've got even like the Cybermen in in um, Ascension of the Cybermen. Um, they have a Good very episode. they have a very uh, more bulky kind of design that harks back. I think they're the mm-hmm. best looking Cybermen that they've ever designed. Honestly, they, oh, they yeah. hark back to the original ones. Um, so at this point in time, you wouldn't have really had that need to do something with a classic villain, like an overtly classic villain. Because um, mm-hmm. even when you get to Davros at the end of the series, spoilers, um, he's not really, he's got that kind of modern twist, you know, the skirt of his wheelchair life support thing. He's mm-hmm. more reminiscent of the Time War design, which canonically would make a lot of sense. But, you know, fundamentally, it's still the same character. But the idea that the the, the Santarans were redesigned visually makes sense because it's like it's easy means for merchandising. It really points out that it's like, this is the new series of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. This is still new. It's still quite sparkly. You know, arguably, this was the Doctor at the, at the height of its popularity, um, at least at that era. Yeah. Hence why the BBC was so concerned about casting Matt Smith and even doing Series 5 in the first place. Um, so, and, and yeah, as you say, Sontarans as a character, as an enemy... They're not so much one note because, as you as you've said, there's a lot that you can really dig into about you know conversation about war, and you know the the, the deeper meaningsful stuff behind Sontarans as a as a, a narrative a race thing. Yeah, yeah. So the idea that they've some kind of subverted that by doing something different to make it seem like there's cowardly a cowardly nature to it as much as the doctor sees straight through that he obviously understands mm-hmm. that something's different here but then the idea of you know using atmos poisoning the planet making it into clone food and turning it into a breeding planet i hadn't actually really remembered how solid the overall sort of arc of this two-parter actually was mm-hmm. like it might seem a little bit kind of um off silly like not so much like a deus ex machina because it's not but like how it's just suddenly how it's suddenly just oh we could just you know burn the sky out but i know the doctor wanted to leave that till last because obviously as as something i hadn't really clocked upon um would be the fact that if he did do that the sontarans would would retaliate by just nuking the planet because they're more than capable of doing so Mm -hmm. so while that does come at a bit like while that we've built this thing at least the Doctor was aware of the fact that he could do something like that at Ratigan Academy, hence why he damn so, like really needed to get back there. Yeah, yeah. Um, he knew that that was a, a possibility and only wanted to do it once he knew that he had the real Martha back in his arms. Mm. Um, it does seem to come up a bit quick and kind of wraps up quite quickly, but I think the fact that it rolls straight into, oh, balls, they're going to start, you know, in, like properly invading now. We need yeah. to get ahead of this. It kind of takes the fact that we do... I think if it was literally the case of... The Doctor shoots the sky and we call it a day. 
Mm-hmm. The whole two parts would have fallen flat on its ass, I would argue. Mm-hmm. But because it rolls into, oh dear, they're going to invade. There's still danger, yeah. It keeps the momentum going enough that while when you look at it from a, stood back yeah, and you look at the whole thing and you do think it does feel a little bit sudden, but I think they managed to keep everything going by it. Not yeah, being that's the end. one of the things I thought when we were watching it was the fact that he has this um, thing of shoot the sky flame everything even though it doesn't set the earth on fire which is just such a weird i definitely we were talking about it the science of that whole section is a little bit wishy-washy there would definitely be some more fallout from that like there would especially if it was low enough to convert the eiffel to cover the eiffel tower and the eiffel tower just not the eiffel tower sorry Uh, i was gonna say empire state building (laughs) empire state building um if it was low enough to cover the Empire State Building and it just goes over the top of it without touching it or anything, it's kind of like, uh, what? Like, uh. you could you could argue it's just some sciencey stuff, but, but I would have anyway. been like, hey, hey, Commander, can you just like ring up all of your uh, your buddies, like ring up the UN and just say, just be prepared to put out a few fires. Yeah. But at least that's better than everyone dying. But also, surely the animations department could have just like put it a few inches above the peak of the Empire State Building. Like, how hard would that have been? Again, um, I guess you could look at it and go, this is like, this is a visual representation of just how close this yeah, could have been to the end yeah. of the world. But anyway, anyway, not the point. Um, <laughs> I My point was, is that when we were watching and that whole sequence kind of happens and you get that like dramatic swell of music, the like crescendo of, oh my God, we're saved, everything's okay. And then all of a sudden the music just goes... And switches straight back to that, like, is it, I don't know what theme it would be called, but it's a very common theme used in this era of Doctor Who, which is that, like, do 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 It kind of sounds like Perry the Platypus, if you know what I mean. Just, like, going back into the fray of things and immediately kind of switching from this, like, amazing... I love Perry the Platypus. I'm going to have to make an edit of that for Twitter when we post this episode. You know, every so often I post like a random thing. It's like, oh, we just finished recording. See you on Friday. And it's like, it's like either have a crumb or it's a picture of a ham sandwich or something. This That's is going to be Perry the But yeah, anyway, it just rushes straight back into that like high, high beat, up tempo music choice that they always use when the doctor's running around doing clever things. And it was it it is a real juxtaposition. Like you don't get time to respect or appreciate the fact that, oh look, he's just saved everybody from being poisoned because it just kind of immediately goes back in. Yeah, but everybody could like still die. <clears throat> this uh, could just, arguably be worse. Like, yeah. I mean I don't know, quick death worse. versus poison I mean, death, but that is that is true. That, like, I'd rather be shot and comments. die immediately, but... <laughs> the, question you know. of the week, everybody. Uh, Happy New Year. How would you like to die? No, let's not. Let's not <laughs> ask that. That's morbid as shit, it? Sorry, I've just swore. But that's oh. morbid as... That's... Sorry. That that's is right. morbid I'll as... Mar- I'll put a marker in. I'll have to, I'll have to <laughs> we'll bleep, bleep it. you or something. That is morbid as all hell. Doing more work uh, for me. You know. Sorry, pal. Thanks. Thanks for that. You just get to sit here and talk about it. I have to actually make the thing. God damn it. Yeah, well, I'm not that clever. I'm not Luke Rattigan. I can't use Premiere. She's just compared (laughs) me to Luke Rattigan. Actually, I use After Effects for this, Amy. Get it right. I'm I'm smarter. Sorry. Gun to your head. I'm smarter than you. (laughs) 
<laughs> Great. I mean, we all I know got, that's the case. I got duped by a baked potato. How no clever point, am I? At no point did I enter into this marriage thinking, I'm definitely smarter than rich. <laughs> I mean, in the as as the as Santarans put it, which I did not recall this being the case, you are a woman. Yeah, I know. When he said I had that, how he was like, "Oh, like, that's pretty good for a woman." I was like, "Oh, bitch, what?" <laughs> and bear in mind, this two-parter was written by a woman as well. So, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I, I guess you could argue that you know the the, the Santaran race are very. I wouldn't obviously. I mean, they are this. all male. Well, that, I was going to say, there's the whole debate about, you know, we, we, you know they're, they're very much male presenting, whether biological gender is a thing on Sontar. Who knows and kind of who cares? But, yeah. I mean, I guess the fact that they're aware what a woman is, assumedly that they're aware that the, the, biolo- the, the well, yeah, biological binary exists, but Sontar yeah, it's not so much don't. That, well, they're clones, aren't they? So I guess yeah. they have no concept <clears throat> of gender. But I Maybe guess the idea like... that they're invading a planet, they obviously know about the enemies they're facing because as a war, kind of you wouldn't go into battle with an enemy that you didn't understand, would you? And it's not the first so, time Sontarans have been on Earth either. So they Well, quite. Know. So they obviously know that women exist. But the idea that they have this notion of a gender construct of women being inferior is what kind of like... It's does it for like, me uh, it's like but you are a purely clone race that have no spectrum of gender and yet you still think that women are inferior <laughs> based on <Taurus. laughs> there's so much you could unpack there but i didn't i didn't just, just say that um no <laughs> I'm bringing, we're bringing the humour back. There's been a lot of like very deep character stuff and then we're just going to swing it back towards like simping and hating on women, which is apparently I mean, what we do. Which is, sure, why not? Welcome to Escaping Castembras. We love aliens and hate women. <laughs> Even Let's though one of us is a woman. Try and, and guess me. which... <laughs> Sorry, did I give I mean, away I would, the I mean, I would there. say who's got the bigger wardrobe, but annoyingly now that's you. Yeah, well, you used to have mm. the biggest wardrobe. I, I mean, I, Who has more student, clothes? When I was a you. student, I had a walk-in wardrobe, and that was amazing. And so, that was know. out... Right, let me just to put it into perspective for those who don't understand how big of a deal this is. Rich being the only... Sh- no, this only one of two straight men in our entire house of six people, which had two women two gay men, two straight men, he had the walk-in wardrobe. Hell yeah, I did. <laughs> Just Not like, to say that, you know, you know your, your your sexual orientation or your gender dictate who gets the walk-in wardrobe, but... No, 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 but I, I just mean, like, wardrobe. out of the two specific people in our household, like, Benny and Jordan had a lot of clothes, and you had the I still had wardrobe. the most. Yeah. <laughs> That's just what I so, did. Uh, yeah. Anyway, enough of gender norms. Uh... <laughs> But no, we were talking about the idea of like the Sontarans being yeah, <laughs> pretty angry, good for angry, a woman. Angry potato misogyny. You love Yay. to see it. We love um, it. Can I go down and stab the potatoes in the fridge? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I am making roast potatoes later. So if you want to take your, uh, you want to take your rage out by sure. peeling potatoes and not peeling my testes, then that would be great. I'm just going to go to Argos and buy a Mr. Potato Head toy and just launch him at the wall. <laughs> <laughs> 
just going to launch so the, a war on all potatoes. There's, there's the, the question then, folks. How, how do you release anger? Amy does enjoy mashed potatoes a lot. I do. So do. she even dreams about it. So, you know, the idea, I think that's where all of Amy's kempt up rage that usually builds because I'm being annoying uh, is taken out on her making the potatoes. most delicious mashed potatoes you've ever eaten. For context, Rich says I dream about them. That's not just like a random thing. I once, I sleep talk all the time. and Mostly I it's once, the F word. Yeah, it is. I, I'm I'm a potty mouth. Blame my Glaswegian granddad for that one. Um, I once rolled over in my semi-awake, semi-asleep state and went, I was just thinking about mashed potato as if I needed to justify my thought process in the middle of my sleep. Because That's obviously... The, this is what I married. A yeah, simp for well, potatoes. Look. You can't. Potatoes are amazing. You just can't I mean, blame are. me on that one, can you? I do. I, I'm making some banging roast potatoes later, so you know, I can live with that. So but anyway, yeah. what were we talking about? <laughs> Sexism. Um, so yeah, War of the Sontarans and the Poison. Uh, sorry, War of the Sontarans. That's the uh, Sontaran strategy and the Poison strategy. Sky. Honestly, has actually aged a lot better than I thought. I always kind yeah. of, I always sort of remembered these episodes, these two episodes being kind of fine, but I mm. think. While I wouldn't say they are like, you know, they're not going to be like super duper up there, but it's like everything about it was pretty solid. I mean, there are, there mm. are certain things you could argue like, you know, while you could have, um, you know, being a plant inside unit needed to be a full clone, unlike a, just a simple hypnosis thing with Martha. Amy yeah. made a good point when everyone else is all coughing and spluttering and dying and stuff. And there's the two soldiers that were brainwashed at the beginning and they're both absolutely fine. Yeah, because when he asks, like, what's happened of- to them... It's all, oh, it's just a simple form of hypnosis. It's like, yes, they still have human bodies, so they would also be choking to death. Like, it doesn't stop... Hypnosis does not stop you from breathing gas. (laughs) Well, again, a little plot hole that you could kind of just... (laughs) You know, there's always going to be little plot holes and bits and pieces in in terms... They they do get shot, don't they? Yeah. There are always little bits and pieces to, to pick apart, but as a whole... Mm. I did enjoy this two parts more than I actually, not so much more than I expected, yeah. but more just, yeah, it was good fun. And yeah, honestly, yeah. to to wrap up, um, it was very, very emotional every time Bernard Gribbons was on screen. Oh my God, I was literally fighting tears when she was running down the street towards him to hug him. I was like, Gramps, can you not? Like, you're <clears> literally... It's so sad. And I- <laughs> it's like, it's it's a lovely, I said, I literally turned to Amy and said this when we were watching, just like, you know, it's a it's a, a lovely scene regardless, but it's even more difficult to watch knowing that, you know, Bernard isn't here anymore. Um, even though, devastated. as I did, you know, even when he was saying goodbye to her again, when she went gallivanting off with the doctor again, you know, while we still have a lot of time with, with Wilf left to go, arguably a lot more than what we've had so far, um, we know that, you know, Russell did him a huge service by, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that Wilf is still alive in the Hooniverse yeah. and quite frankly always will be. Um, I really hope that um, we don't get, kind of actually is a very apt parallel to draw. Obviously, Nicholas Courtney, uh, Alistair Lethbridge-Stewart isn't in this episode as a two-parter, which we were discussing kind of what that what like why was it illness was it unavailability i wouldn't have mm. said it was unavailability because i mean he was an old guy but by this he point. was I don't quite know how old. much work he was getting yeah. um he did obviously rock up in the sarah jane adventures which was lovely we do get a lot of um 
nods and mentions to to uh, Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart. If you don't know, he was a, a major major character back in the uh, classic era of like Who, and every unit was involved Stewart in this series. Obviously, <clears throat> yeah, basically the equivalent of Kate Stewart. Well, yeah, quite literally. Hence really. why they're related. <laughs> Hence why they're father and daughter. Yeah. Um, but and then, then he gets kind of brought back as a Cyberman, which was a bit like, mm. oh, I get that it's kind of nice and you have that salute and, you know, there, there is an awareness that the Cyberman knew that it was like... Was that Moffat? Yes, it was Capaldi, Capaldi's era. But yeah. it was a bit like, oh, oh, it's kind of the, it's almost the much more, the much worse approach to doing things like Grand Moff Tarkin in Rogue One, where they bring back Peter Cushing as a you know, like a, a a deep faked sort of thing in the same way they did with, with Carrie Fisher as well in Rogue One. Mm. Um, you know, it's that kind of like, oh, should you really do that? Do you, are we bringing back people from yeah. the dead? Like, that's not fun. Um, and obviously the fact that it was like, you know, Nicholas Courtney had unfortunately passed away by the time that they'd uh, done um, Dark Water in Heaven. Mm-hmm. What was it? Dark Water, Death in Heaven um, for Capaldi Zero. When they there was had a lot this, of like, heaven Capaldi's era, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, a lot of Cyberman, the Cyberman Brigadier that was like, oh, that's a little bit tasteless. You know, we're just going to know that Wilf is at the bottom of the garden shooting moles. Yeah. Or trying to, because the Doctor's put a force field around them. And we... So, yeah, we were we were listening to... Was it the commentary on the episode afterwards that you can watch on BBC? If you go giggle. on to iPlayer, um, they, after the giggle, they, they posted a re watch with commentary by russell uh was it david and and the producer and I producer can't yeah me either but yeah and they were talking about the fact that in the original script um they had a whole thing didn't they about his character dying or being killed off in universe or whatever it was um and Russell said he just couldn't do it. He could not put that through. Like, it got signed off by so many people. And then he got to that point and he was like, I can't do this. Like, this character How, You can't is, do this to the fan base. Yeah. Or, like, or, to, this or to the memory of Bernard so... or to Wilfred Mott. And I think that was the point, is that it was to memory of Bernard because he was such a poignant character throughout this kind of series of New Who. And obviously, before we even meet Donna, he's introduced as that character in the newspaper box. Like, you know, is to get an actor like that who has such who was such a good person in life and also played this incredible character that so many people of new who relate to i think he made the right choice in yeah he's just up the garden shooting moles don't worry about it he's fine because there's no way that you would have felt right knowing that in universe wilf is also gone like it's just not it's just not the thing, is it? So I'm really glad that they changed that and made that decision. Yeah. And it's it's just, it's lovely seeing Bernard Cribbins on screen. Obviously, mm. you know, seeing him at the end of Wild Blue Yonder was such a surprise mm-hmm. and was so lovely. And it's so good to know that he managed to get that in because it wasn't long after filming that he died. So yeah, it, it was him. before they actually filmed the end of the giggle. Um, mm. It was that sort of short of a window that they actually had with Bernard. Hence why at the start of the giggle, it's just some bloke in a wheelchair and not but they did Cribbins. manage to just about kind of avoid it to the point where you wouldn't really know if you didn't know. Like it's just I mean, cut off shots and like re-changed angles and people would know watching it that they it wouldn't have been burning because otherwise it would well, have been yeah. front and centre. But people obviously people are aware that that wasn't, yeah, wasn't yeah. a secret that he was obviously he's obviously getting on a bit at that point and obviously had passed away as well. So it's not exactly you know anything to really pick apart. But yeah, it's lovely seeing Wilf and we do get to see a lot more of him. Mm-hmm. but 
The next thing we get to see more of is uh, is Martha because she's on board the TARDIS when stuff goes awry, and we also get to see uh, the future Mrs. Tennant in uh, mm-hmm. in Georgia Moffat as the Doctor's daughter. How so, dare uh, she? <laughs> we all love and hate you, um, you lucky lucky woman she's who's fit, also though. oh she is yeah she's she's stunning, and she's so. um, <clears throat> power uh, is it Peter Davison's daughter? So I yeah. mean, full circle, isn't it? Well, we'll go the over the whole... The Doctor's daughter marries the Doctor. Yeah, we'll, we'll go <laughs> over that the whole <laughs> sort of thing next time uh, on Escaping Gustavus when we cover the Doctor's daughter. So we hope that you do join us for that one, whenever that may be. Hopefully at some point in February, that's kind of what we're aiming for um, mm-hmm. this year. We're going to try and get at least one out a month. I know it's not loads, but the but benefit of the way that... You know, the benefit of the, the benefit of the way that we do Castapod now is the fact obviously we bundle together two parters so you know if we do 12 episodes at minimum this year we are comfortably going into series five so Mm. you know please do join us for that one did you have any questions about um we didn't talk about the what's their name the group with Jenny Strax and that. Did you say oh, you the had a question about that? Oh, the Yes, sorry, yeah. there was a Passanostagan question. I mean, there were quite a few remembered. questions that I didn't really cover. Yeah, yeah. There was something about um, the Passanostagan. I think it was the most recent question we got. Uh, yes, it was from Zappafan. Um, Strax, better as part of the Passanostagan or not? I can't. Do we even quite... see Strax in this episode? Strax isn't it? It's Dan Starkey because that was what I was questioning yeah. the whole way through. The um, commander is it Scorn? Star Scorn, something like that. Uh, Bringer of Blood. I just remember so. his name was. Uh, yeah, Commander Score. It's General Stalin, Commander Score. Yeah, Dan Starkey plays that character. Obviously, gets killed mm. off by uh, by the commander of uh, units, the Colonel. Sorry, um, and Dan Starkey comes back as, as Strax. I mean. Paternoster gang, I think it's it's almost too early days because we haven't actually mm. been introduced to them yet because they only appear post series five when we have um Well it's the, Matt Smith's si- era, isn't it? Yeah, the Silurians get reintroduced and when you have Madame Vastra, yeah. she's obviously Silurian. So we are getting to that point. Um I mean, if we're gonna get very immediate things in, I did get kind of bored of Paternoster and I didn't know mm-hmm. why people were so obsessed with them. Yes, they're kind of fun and silly, and Strax has got some fantastic comedic moments, but at the same time yeah. it feels kind of like Again, as I've already said today, the Sontarans are a bit of a, not not especially one-trick pony, but unless you do something more subversive with their storyline, it's kind of difficult to try to do anything with mm. them. This um, is a very weird comparison, but I kind of feel like the Paternoster... Pat, is that Pat, how Paternoster. Do you say that? Paternoster. Paternoster. The Paternoster gang is a very kind of loose representation of... Um, Arna, Elsa and Olaf a little bit because you've got like the two kind of women characters that are just like going through doing whatever and then you've just got this really random short fat bloke as like the comedic relief and it kind of feels a little bit like Olaf in Frozen it's like is there really any point to him no but he's the one that everyone cares about and he (laughs) that's going straight on Twitter like what (laughs) Do you not like? I, I mean, I do kind of see what you mean, <laughs> but Elsa isn't green, and she's not also shagging her sister. So you know. No, I didn't mean in that respect. <laughs> I just meant like, if we're talking comedic relief, is there really a comedic relief greater than Olaf? 
Yeah, I, I get what you mean, but yeah, I, I think we'll, we'll cover the Paternoster gang more. So I can't remember exactly what episode it was they first appeared in. I think it might be the Crimson Aura, or probably earlier than that. I can't Something quite like remember. That. I honestly, but yeah, don't we'll, know. we'll we'll cover that when we get to it. But yeah, the Strax is an interesting departure from the Santaran sort of approach, the Santaran characterization. So I'm intrigued to see how. I can't quite remember why he's part of Paternoster Gang, but we'll find out. I think there was a lot nah. of um I think they did do some audio dramas, but I think mm. there was always that. Like people still now, like when they were talking about the fact we're gonna get new spin-offs and stuff like that, that they really They're wanted still the like Paternoster. Paternoster. They want a Paternoster like, spin-off. Why? It's like really There's only so much they can do. Yeah, and they've had a bit of they had get quite a lot of screen time in the Moffat era, so you know, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's where we're going to wrap things up today. Um, hope you've enjoyed listening. Enough to join us next time for the uh, Doctor's daughter. So Is please that a do follow us. <clears throat> a single party, yeah. That's so weird. I always seem to remember it having like such a vast storyline that I feel like it it's, should cover two episodes. Definitely a very interesting storyline. I do remember how it all pans out. Mm. So um, I'm intrigued to see it all again. Yeah, uh, a bit of Donna brilliance in that one. So, uh, yeah, please join us for that one. Please follow us on Twitter at Castapod for your memes and, you know, doobie doobie doobars when I get around to posting that. And, and I'm going to I'm gonna have to post Anna. I'm going to have to post that Paternoster gag at the Frozen Trio. Just like... You're same. just going to have to Photoshop, like, Jenny's face onto Anna mm. and... No, it's just uh, going to be like... Vastra. Yeah, bro, you can copy, like, copy my homework. Just don't make it too similar or something. I need to find And then exactly just put the Santaran in over own. I'm just going <laughs> to put them both next to each other. That's all it needs to do. Yeah. Anyway, please join us for that one. Amy, Amy Hudson, where can they find you on the old oh, socials? Oh, yeah, I'm Amy Hudson now. That's very interesting. According to my passport as well, so it's all official <clears throat> But your now. username hasn't changed. No, it is still Ames underscore Elizabeth, and that is A-I-M-S. And that's on Instagram. That's on Instagram. Sorry, did I not say that part? No, you didn't. But I know I know that it's a given. It's just Instagram. Okay. Well, it's on Instagram, yes. Ames underscore yeah. Elizabeth. And I am at Pickup Change Toe on everything, basically. I mean, you can follow me on Twitter, but, you know. No, Rich, they can follow you on X. No, they can't. They can follow me on Twitter, Amy. We've, we've been over this. It's called Twitter. No one it calls it Twitter. X. X, Nobody formerly calls it known X. as Twitter. The only people that call it X are the people who are sucking off Elon Musk because they have nothing else of interest about them and they are just talentless hacks. So anyway, that's my little rant over. Have a <laughs> lovely rest of your January. I hope, again, that you had a lovely Christmas and New Year and the January blues haven't kicked you down too hard. If you are a fellow games industry employee, stay strong. And if you have, unfortunately, been let go best of luck with your work with finding work going forwards otherwise take care of yourselves have a lovely rest of your day we'll see you next time for some jenny doctor daughter action (laughs) thank you for that amy (laughs) you're welcome we'll see you then goodbye